one thing about happy period that I'm proud of and I always say this, like I'm not into telling somebody what to use for their period. Like it's your choice. I'm about options. It's 2019 and we got options out here. So what we do is like we're we're providing everything, but it's your choice if you like what you pick for, for your body. So it's like, here are your options. If you want us to tell you about why we have these these options, we can break that down, we can explain it, we can even show you how to use something. But again, this is about your experience, what you like for your body. So it's like, I don't shame my sisters that are still using pads, disposable pads, it's, that is, that is do your thing. I'm not shaming someone who um, does not want to go to a cup. They want to stick with um, pads and tampons and, and liners, it's cool. I'm not shaming the person that just wants to free bleed into a cup or into their um, thinks period panties and go, you know, rinse the blood out or pour the blood into their pots or plants. I'm not shaming, girl, do your thing for the motherland. That was Chelsea Von Chaz, and you're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, episode 167. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. That's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. On this show, my guests and I are committed to one simple but powerful thing, telling the truth about our lives. No one's here to sell you anything. No one's trying to get you to fix yourself or your life. I don't have any magic answers. I can't give you a miraculous 10-day six-step life hack plan for anything, really. But as a recovering self-help junkie myself, I'm so over that quick fix approach, honestly. And my guess is maybe you are too. Perhaps that's why you're here. So we'll be diving into today's episode in a few minutes. But before that, I have two quick things that I want to share with you. The first is a reminder that this is definitely an adult podcast covering adult subjects, often using adult language, where we talk about things like work, love, sex, money, addiction, friendship, racism, body image, mental health. We talk about grief, fear, courage, change, and everything in between. My hope is that these conversations will make you laugh, think, and feel less alone, while also challenging you to consider a new perspective from someone whose lived experiences might be different from your own. That's really important. And then the other thing that I want to tell you is that you won't hear any ads or sponsor promotions on this podcast, because these conversations, they're 100% listener funded, made possible by awesome regular people like you who give $8 or more per eight episode season. The show is and will always be free. But if you love it, if these conversations do indeed make you laugh, think, and feel less alone, I hope you'll go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $8 or more per eight episode season. This tangible financial support, that's what allows me to keep making new episodes and it pays everyone involved in making Real Talk Radio. That includes me, my sound engineer, Adam Day, and every single one of my guests. It's been my dream for years to be able to pay all my guests, and our community recently met the funding goal that makes that possible now. So all the guests whose stories you love are indeed getting paid for their time with us, and higher rates are always paid to our guests of color, as well as our queer and trans guests and others with traditionally marginalized identities. I know it's not the norm in the podcast industry to pay guests or to have a listener-funded show, but I fully believe that where we spend our money, it's a real-time vote for the kind of world we want to live in. And if I want to live in a world where people get paid for the work they do, especially creative work, that means it's up to me to create that model here at Real Talk Radio. So that's what your financial support contributes to. 
And as a special thank you for supporting the show, you'll get access to over 40 hours of bonus content, as well as our monthly book club, my weekly behind the scenes email series called Notes of Grit and Grace. That's where I share my real life in real time. Plus, you'll be the first to know when tickets go on sale for live events and retreats. Also, 5% of each season's profit is donated to a different social justice organization. With past donations going to places like Trans Lifeline, Black Lives Matter, and Planned Parenthood, so you can feel really good about that aspect of your pledge contribution as well. Over on our Patreon page, you'll see that there are currently three different funding levels. There's an $8 level, a $16 level, and a $25 level, each with their own unique, awesome bonuses. At the $25 level, we even do live Google Hangouts together after the release of each new season, and oh my gosh, those are so much fun. So one more time, that's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to support the show. And at the very end of this episode, you'll actually get to meet one of our Patreon community members who joins me for a fun little rapid fire question round. So stick around for that after the main episode for sure. And now let's dive right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Chelsea Von Chaz. Chelsea is a nonprofit founder and activist whose organization, Happy Period, is on a mission to reshape the outlook on menstruation while providing period products to low-income and homeless communities. In this episode, Chelsea shares the story of how she went from a career in fashion styling to founding her own nonprofit organization to promote menstrual equity. We talk about what she's learned about the lack of access to menstrual products that lots of folks face and what ramifications this has on the rest of their lives. Chelsea shares so honestly about how she really didn't know what she was doing when she first started this work and how important it is to just take action for what you believe is right, even if you don't have a perfect plan in place. I feel so optimistic and fired up after this conversation, and I hope that you love it just as much. So all of that starts in just a moment. And as always, you'll be able to find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at NicoleAntoinette.com slash podcast. Awesome. We are good to go. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you just said something really interesting before we started recording that I wanted to um, dig a little bit deeper on. You said that you're in a phase right now where you're saying yes to everything. Tell me more about that. It's not really even a phase. It's just I'm I'm all about abundance. And, and so I think like sometimes, um, you know, to in order to get to that space, especially if it's if it means stepping out of this box that you've been living in and you don't know why you've been living in it. It's just all about like, okay, I need to open myself up more to certain things. So I'm just going to say yes to this, even if it scares me or if it's not what I usually would do, if it bores the fuck out of me, um, if I don't make any money from it, I'm just going to say yes to it to get a different experience. So it's not really a phase because I've been on this shit for like two years now, but it's been working for me since I started and saying yes to things. Um, I hadn't, I've never been a person where I had the problem saying no especially if, you know, if I'm, if I'm, well, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a no person period, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, just deciding to just switch it up a bit and just live more in abundance Then I mean, that's, it's been working for me professionally and personally. I love it. I would love to ask you for maybe one example of since saying yes to things, like you said, maybe it's something that you wouldn't usually do or something that you are afraid of. What's been one of the more like fun or wild things that's come out of just saying yes. Oh, um, oh, there's so many. I'm, I like thought of three off the top of my head. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, like, okay, I'm interested in one? all three. No, go for it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, but which one is really like screams, screams at me a little bit. 
more. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm such a big like planner. I like to set things up. I don't really care. I dig spontaneity, but it has not, that's not who I am completely. Yeah. So stepping out of the, of my zone and just doing something on the fly or deciding to like, I don't know, hop on a plane and, you know, out of the country and not really know exactly like, oh no, I'll just meet, you know, I'll figure it out when I get there type of thing. That's been, I guess, something that's pretty much like a highlight, like overall for the past two years, just deciding, you know, to get up and go, even with happy period, like when Hurricane Harvey happened and we, and I just decided to kind of step in and just do some um, relief efforts, which we've never done before, that opened up a, like an, a completely amazing experience to actually like have your own organization and to be a part of people like their relief and their healing and really coming together and being on the ground and doing something. It's completely different from if, you know, you're just watching some shit on TV or on the news and you're like, oh, this fucked up. I'm going to send some money or I'm going to send a donation like, you know, clothes or something. It's different from when you actually like go to the place that needs the help and you feel everybody's energy. You see so much like resilience and people coming together and you're actually there doing the work. You're seeing all the donations that have been shipped. You're seeing all the money like come in and go and like how much stuff has to be spent and put back into the a community or a neighborhood and how that actually takes a lot of money, work and effort and energy, good energy. And, um, yeah. And just seeing, you know, the fruits of your labor and actually like, you know, experiencing people who are, you know, you're just going through a really rough time and folks are at their worst and, you know, attitudes come up, you know, people start to show up or things start to show people, show you like who people really are. So it's, that was really amazing. Like, you know what I mean? For as far as personal growth and professionally, like we, again, we never done that before. So that was something where I, you know, I go back and I have this experience and I tell people like, look, like if you can, if you have the time, if you have a fucking private jet, if you have a whole church that's empty, if you have, you know, time, a, a day off or two, you could take a week off or a vacation and you didn't really plan to go nowhere instead of just staying in the house, relax, you know, relaxing and just watching TV, maybe like step out of that where you could still be able to relax, but you actually would get an experience out of that. You may have not, you know, may have not even experienced before, or it'll be something that really helps you in a sense. And that's something where like, where giving comes in, that's where giving does. Like when you, when you're giving with your heart and with good intention, there's this moment of like, I guess it's like this blissful thing that your body goes through and in your mind. And it's low key, like a little high. And, but I feel like with people who are folks who are, um, again, they have, they set those good intentions and they mean well, like that's a good thing for them to have because it makes you want to do it more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's really nothing wrong with that. So for me, um, that just came out of like me just saying, oh yeah, we should just go. And then it's like, when we went, we didn't really even have a plan. We didn't know like who we were going to connect with. I found the organization that we end up connecting with and the churches we end up connecting with. I found them off of Instagram, not a Google search. And everyone was so welcoming and it was just a great experience. So it's like, but I do remember thinking like, oh, I'm pro- I don't know if we should, I don't know if we could, we don't really have that much money. Like it's going to cost a lot, but then it's like, I just had a moment where I just stopped that shit. I just stopped thinking that. And I was like, no, let's just go. 
oh, there's so much you just said that I love so much. I can really relate <laughs> to being a planner who doesn't do a lot of spontaneous things. <laughs> That's definitely mm-hmm. me for sure. And I, it's something that I'm like definitely trying to open myself up to more that I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to have, you know, like all the perfect plans in place. The kind of the example that you just gave of like, if something speaks to you, just say yes and trust that you're going to figure it out. Like just a, a thing I think about a lot is this idea of just put your body in the space, like just go and it'll be fine and you'll figure it out. And like you said, you'll connect with people and you trust like, Hey, I'm a smart woman. I can figure stuff out. Right. And like, I, I so often don't do spontaneous things because I think all the details aren't worked out or what's this going to be like. And I love just, you know, even just that one example of like, just go, (laughs) you know, and it's going to be whatever it's going to be. And sometimes it might be not a great experience and that's fine too. Exactly. Like either way you had the experience and you learned a lesson and you made some mistakes and you can now go make new mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love you that. know what I mean? Like you don't have to like, you don't have to sit in it, you know, in, in the misery of like, Oh, it was just so awful. It's all about perspective. So yeah, it's dummy wonders. This whole yeah, thing. I love that. So switching gears a little bit, I know we're going to be talking about period stuff a lot today, which I'm excited about. Something that you posted on Instagram that really made me laugh was the prompt where you said, name your period using the last show you watched on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> so as of today, mine would be Shit's Creek, which is like great. Shit's Creek? Yeah. What is this? And Netflix come out with something every other day, I swear. That It's not Shit's a Creek. Netflix show. It's on Netflix now, but it was like originally a, it's oh, a Canadian okay. show, I think. It's fantastic and hilarious but um gotcha so what's yours what's your last show you watched on netflix period name um on netflix Ooh, like which because there's so many and i i have this fire stick thing and i i swear like i can't really remember let me see the last thing i watched period though like that was on i think it's on hulu though not netflix it was lorena about the lorena bobbit um story oh yeah yeah that documentary series how was it girl (laughs) I read a big article about it but I haven't watched it yet so I don't I never knew I knew who she was I knew what happened but I didn't know like the whole like the whole story her whole perspective of being physically abused and not having a voice and coming to this country. Anyway, everybody should go out and watch it just because like you'll learn something and you know, and you, it's a flashback in time for a lot of people. Cause I'm only 30. So I was too young to really understand what was going on at the time, but I just thought it was, Oh, this lady cut this boo's dick off. Um, but all the details, like how she sliced it, like mama sliced it real good. Like, <laughs> like no, like no jagged, nothing. It was just like, whoop. You know, it was, I was like, whoa, that's, that's some, that's some feminist shit. But anyway, it was overall, like, it was a really good documentary. I think everyone should definitely get, get into that tea. I'm trying to really think of, cause that's definitely, oh, and then, um, oh, that fucking abducted shit. Um, oh my goodness. What is it called? Abducted in plain sight. I think that's on Netflix too. Have you seen that? I have not. That is usually not a genre of things that I, <laughs> I tend to, my friends joke about whether or not something is or is not Nicole approved, like anything that's scary <laughs> or that's going to make me afraid to be home alone or that's like psychological thrillery. Or... That's, that's funny, but, um, yeah, it's definitely a thriller, but it's, you know, a documentary, a true story and it's bananas. Yeah. It's crazy. This yeah, I don't even want to get into it because it's so it's it's not even that it's nowhere it's no way triggering for me, but just the thought of 
uh, the juiciness of it. Cause, and it's like, I want you to watch it. That's why I don't want to give like no details, no type of tea. Because okay. <laughs> I just want you to watch it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy. Those things are just, um, for that to be like, okay, my period, <laughs> name it my period, learn it, I, it would, I would rather just be Lorena and not abducted in plain sight. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> no, but you have a lot of those like I, fun prompts of period names that always make me laugh. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, because everybody, we just, the reason we do those is because um, the reason I decided to make, to make those more of a thing is just as far as the engagement, that's a, that's a huge part of it. And to get people to kind of like expand out of thinking so negatively about periods or their period. And then, um, or, oh, oh, that's right. Sex education. I did watch that before, um, a while back. That was a good show too. That's on Netflix. Yeah. I've heard that that one's good. Yeah. To get people to, you know, really understand and feel like this is so relatable. You know what I mean? Like having a period and naming it, calling it something or giving it a name. I don't think everybody gives it a name to be negative or to really cover it, even though that is, that could be a reason, but I don't think everyone does it for that reason. So we just want to get people to really, you know, be, be cool with having a period or just think, think it's actually, it's more cooler than what the whole world thinks it is. Cause it really is amazing, amazing thing as far as the whole process. But yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to see like what the type of shit that people put in the comments. Um, I'm trying to find one. Yeah, it's it's right funny. Now. I, I like reading them. They're really funny. I mean, I think it's it's two things for me. One, I like that it has a playful element to it, right? Because like you said, that you know we think about periods, we think about menstruation. It's like this negative, heavy, either like yeah. so taboo that we're not supposed to talk about it, right? Or right. you know, it's it never has like any kind of good vibe to it, I guess. Or like if it does, mm-hmm. it's in the very like sacred space, which there's a place for that too. But, you know, I, I just, I feel like the things that you post in the conversations that you start on this topic, they are funny and they're relatable. And it's like nice to see people in the comments and get that little reminder of like, oh, right. I'm not alone. Right. And like feeling like trash for a couple days or whatever. Right. Exactly. I see everybody, a lot of people put the Punisher <laughs> and Dexter and well, somebody said Golden Girls. That's, <laughs> that's funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty tight. It's, it's pretty, it's cool. It's amazing. Yeah, we're not going to stop those anytime soon. So let's talk about your nonprofit organization, Happy Period. Tell me about the day that you first had the idea to start this. Yeah, it was the day I saw this homeless woman crossing the street and she had like a period stain on the back of her butt. And she she really didn't even have it on, have on that much clothing, but it was like these pajama shorts or something that she had on with the, with like a cami kind of tank top. Um, but yeah, she had this period stand on the back of her butt and she was just walking, you know, and it was, it was like the middle of the day and it was busy. I was in Hollywood. So I was driving and stopped at a red light and she was crossing the street and, and that's when I saw her. So that was the day, like, well, the moment where the idea just came to mind and then, I didn't really like kickstart to really do something physically. Well, I mean, I went home that same day and I did mad research online and, you know, I just started reaching out to some shelters and only one rep got back to me as far as like to set up a call. And, you know, I just basically like asked her, what's up with menstrual equity or what's up with if someone shows up at the shelter or the access center and they just need pads and tampons. Like, do you guys just give those out? Like, do they have to 
be in your program? What is it? And so she, you know, she said, she broke down a, a couple of things. You know, she was like, even though we're federally funded, we get grants from foundations and money from the state, we are not legally or we don't have to, even in our bylaws, it doesn't state that we have to give out menstrual products or we have to provide them. And it's not, um, it's not something that we would get in trouble for. It's just not in our bylaws. They don't make it a requirement. We're not required to, to provide menstrual products in the same way we're required to provide water and um, food at a certain temperature, have a clean kitchen. Like there's a few extra things we would have to, we have to do in order to maintain those, those standards being a shelter. But as far as making sure the women have pads and tampons, that's not something we, that we, that we have to do. Well, the way that goes is that we have to, you know, allocate someone within our budget to actually ask for donations, send out those emails, send out those requests, mm-hmm. set up our website so that it lets people know, like, this is what we need. Um, and she told me, like, even then, when people are donating, they're not donating pads, tampons, cups, liners, or even underwear sometimes, or bras sometimes. But they are definitely donating razor blades and shaving cream for the men to shave with. They're definitely donating toothbrush and toothpaste. And they're definitely donating socks and blankets and canned goods, which those are great things. But there's not pads and tampons. And none of that is going to keep someone from, you know, exposing and free bleeding. And, you know, it's not that doesn't help a menstruating person. who is experiencing homelessness or who is houseless. And I thought that shit was stupid. And, you know, and she just was like, the last thing she said, because I asked her, you know, in real time, in reality, what's, what's, what's the case? You know what I mean? Like what's, what's mm-hmm. the deal right now? And, and, you know, she said her pantry was full, was full with, you know, like goods, canned goods and everything. But as far as like the donation bins and their intake, you know, there's, there's rarely pads in there, you know, and she was just like, more than likely it would be, you know, me or another, you know, person of staff that, you know, has access to an office or one of us in the office would literally probably go in our purses and have to give somebody a tampon or give someone some pads or we're going out buying them. And she was like, I kind of tend to go when I go to Target, I'll, you know, grab an extra box for the office or just, you know, for someone to have, but that's always gone because somebody ends up taking the whole pack or whatever. So they don't have, you know what I mean? Like that shit is, that shit was crazy. So that's when I just decided to just start happy period. And yeah, it really just came out of frustration. Just me seeing the need and, you know, being kind of frustrated with this person on the phone or her just saying the right things, <laughs> probably her saying the right things. And that just made me want to want to just do something. But I didn't want to give them any money, which um, I'd say that all the time. I didn't want to, like, go and drop off a check to her or to any other <laughs> shelter at that point. Mm-hmm. Um so I was like, okay, well, we'll just make sure that your pantry is full with menstrual products. And we'll just, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out another like solution for that. Yeah. But all of that happened in like, maybe like a couple of days, I'll say like two days. And then the first happy period volunteer event with, which was just me and my girlfriends 
we just decided to do to come together like within that that following week. So all this happened. It happened pretty fast. Yeah, I'm I'm always interested in the like first critical steps of something cuz like you just said that was a pretty fast timeline, right? You had this experience of seeing this yeah. woman who was crossing the street in front of you, went home, did research, you know, didn't really find that much, you know, tried to have these phone calls, had one phone call that was frustrating, and then for you to say like, you know, someone should do something about this. Hang on, I'm someone, I can do something about it. And then like what was literally your next step? Did you email friends and say, "Hey, grab some tampons and pads and come over. We're going to do this thing." What happened next? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I just emailed everybody what I saw. I told everybody like all the bullshit the lady told me on the phone and everybody, I got all, everybody were all riled up <laughs> and, um, we were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do something. What do you want to do? Let's let tell me what you want to do. And I was like, well, I don't want to give them any money. So maybe we'll like all collect some, we'll all chip in to buy out like a shit ton of stuff and can contact like a few brands or something and maybe have another organization that we'll just, or have another organization that we'll partner with and, we'll just collect donations until then. And maybe we'll like pass them out somewhere. We'll pick a place. And so I had a home girl, my home girl, Leslie, she works with hashtag lunch bag, which is this, this amazing organization that helps to feed brothers and sisters who are experiencing homelessness and, you know, to make sure that everyone comes together as a community and we do it in the form of a party and we make lunches. So hashtag lunch bag, they, um, they had um, a chapter in uh, South Central and my homegirl Leslie ran that chapter. So she was like, oh, we're doing a volunteer event in South Central L.A. Why don't you come to that? Maybe we can do everything like all at the same time. And she was like, but it's on Sunday. And I was like, OK, cool. I want to say maybe this was like Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> okay. She told me this. And so I was like, oh, OK, cool. So we'll be there. What are you going to do? I was like, I don't know, girl. We'll just be there. And she was like, OK, well, yeah, I think maybe we'll like just, just come here. So I had that as, you know, like, okay, I got my location. I have my date. And we just did the same thing that we already doing. Like everybody, we were, you know, like buying things throughout the week. We were doing a donation drive. Like somebody did it at their office, at the label. Somebody did it at, you know, their, um, at whatever, uh, um, school they were at, you know, and some of them, and these are all my girlfriends. So we all just kind of, came together and I had to buy some stuff. And during this process though, like my mama decided to name it happy period. Like she came up with that name. And then I had Googled the two words together cause I thought it was lame at first. And then, um, when I Googled the words, I saw, I saw like all this previous stuff with a few period, like menstrual product companies. And, you know, everybody was kind of really mad about their shitty campaigns back in the day where they, you know, it's like they were telling women to have a happy period. And I guess a bunch of women didn't really care for that because they were using those words, happy period together. And it's made people mad and I guess uncomfortable. And they, they, they were more so, I guess, I guess pissed because these were men who were obviously running the campaigns. I think it was, if it was women, um, it would be like less blue mm-hmm. liquid and maybe actually red liquid. And then, um, and also, um, there was another thing, um, it used to be this commercial, I think it was from Kotex, but they had this commercial that ran and it was literally like a plaid floating in fucking in, in the middle of the, of the air. It was a pad floating. And then there was a red dot that just kind of came over the pad and was floating over the pad. And so people were pissed about that they thought they was hella inappropriate. Mind you, like these are links that are that was that was there at the time. So I'm like reading, you know, going through forums and going through like details about these lawsuits and 
people signing these petitions because they were mad about, you know, the the ads and also a lot of the campaigns where, you know, they were saying, like, have a happy period or something like that. So I just thought that was kind of funny. I thought, like, immediately I was like, okay, all this negative shit, (laughs) we're just going to purposely call it happy period. So maybe we'll turn it into more of a positive thing. And, um, and I remember saying to my mama, cause she didn't, I was the one that Googled it and she was like, no, but I think that's funny because people never really, people, um, should get a kick out of it if it makes them laugh and they should, you know, think about like, why are they laughing? And also maybe it'll make them think like, cause people never really say happy either. Like that's a word that also kind of makes people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then periods like we don't have to you know explain that and so I was like well maybe we'll like in a couple years when we when we google this like it'll be like us and they'll understand as far as like what's the mission and the motive like behind it so that's another thing like happy period is two prongs so it's it's two sides it's just I mean happy period has a sun and the moon so um, one is providing the menstrual products to people that would otherwise go without them for whatever reason. They just need menstrual products and they are not able to get them or they don't have access. So providing those services, providing those products. And then the other one is eliminating the stigma, uh, you know, trying to shift to where a period's menstruation is no longer a taboo, um, getting people to change their perspective about periods. So that's the other um that's the other part part of it. Um, I like to call that the moon and the other one, the the sun. Yeah. So yeah, we just decided like, okay, we're going to leave it as happy period. We put the hashtag in the logo because we were only using social at that time to promote everything. So like all my girlfriends who, some of them are influencers, some of them are like, they work at a label, they're marketing execs and shit. So everybody was kind of just using the hashtag, hashtag happy period to spread awareness of what we were doing. You know, because at that point, you know, right when I got the name and that was just kind of like a free thing that just happened. Like, I didn't really tell nobody. I didn't tell anybody to do that with the hashtag. It just kind of happened. I mean, because um, that's in 2015 at the time when it was. That's just what you did. I mean, we were all kind of in the flow of how social media works by this time, obviously. So, yeah. And we, you know, made a flyer and... Um, to get other people to come. And we showed up on on Sunday, February 8th, 2015. And we packed everything that we had into kits and we just kind of organized it for us to be able to go out and do street distribution, just going out, passing things out. And the first one, it was amazing. We, um, we showed up at Skid Row and the the feedback was dope. Like people were, you know, hugging us and we got some tears and folks were saying like, oh, nobody ever gives us this. We always have to go inside of the shelter to get it. And sometimes they don't have it. Like, you know, and we saw how in the community, like some of the women were like sharing, which they still do to this day. Like when we go out and pass, pass out, sometimes you'll, you'll witness someone like sharing their products with somebody else. Like, oh, I don't, I don't use tampons, but I'll give them to such and such. Or here, do you you like tampons, don't you? And they're, they're all like swapping out things. And then sometimes they'll just give us the kits back because, um, you know, they'll say, oh, I don't have a period anymore or or whatever. Like, no, you can take this. Or um, 
so yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty tight. And then, you know, we just kind of decided, um, right at the end of it to just, to just do it again, because we just saw that there was a need. And then we, you know, once we ran out, cause we, we made hundreds of kits and we got, we took care of everybody. Like nobody was left out, but we were like, no, like there's clearly somebody that's, that was left out. They may not be here on this side of town, but they're on the other side of town or, you know, so yeah, that's how it all happened. And it happened. Yeah. Me and like, maybe like nine of my homegirls did the first one. Yeah. The, lesson or the theme that's coming out really strongly for me and what you're saying is this idea that you don't need to know what you're doing before you start, right? Like this was obviously a new thing for you, right? I don't know that you had contemplated I'm gonna yeah, start. Like we, you know this yeah, I didn't I didn't know what I was what I was doing. I don't even know what I'm doing now, to be honest with you. Um and I think that's fine. Um at the time, you know, it was just like I know this is what I'm going to do. Like I saw my end of the light or I saw my North Star at the time. So I was just like okay I'm a, I don't know how it's going to look, how I'm going to get there, but we're going to get there because we, we know that's what it is. So we'll figure out how we're going to get there. And then, yeah, the whole thing I tell people, like, is as far as this whole permission thing that we have now, I don't know why, but, you know, permission to help or permission to um, to give back or to get involved or to start something just period like permission to just start something or to do something I tell people like I didn't ask that woman on the phone for permission to to do happy period or to get involved all I did was just ask her a couple questions and she gave me some real ass answers you know and I just did it without really knowing what to do exactly so yeah, yeah you're right um what were you what was your day job at the time Oh, I was a wardrobe stylist. I did wardrobe for, it wasn't really like a day thing. Cause that's all day, all night. <laughs> that was like my, my like, you know, 7am call time to two in the morning. Cause that's just what that life is. But no, I did, I was a stylist for about seven years. And, um, when I came back to LA, cause I started on the East coast, when I came back to LA, um, I tried to transition. I started transitioning out of like styling and red carpets well, not necessarily that, out of like music videos, fashion shows and and some red carpets and kind of starting doing more with wardrobe, like shows and series and still some red carpet things. Yeah. And I just hated it. I didn't like it. I like it was cool. Like the perks was all right. Well, I didn't even love it at that point. There's parts of it that I do um, that really like, you know, um, push me and get my get my blood flowing a little faster. Um, but overall it just wasn't serving me. And I think I don't, I wasn't really serving myself either because that's just not what I was supposed to be doing as far as like wholeheartedly. Like that wasn't, it was part of the plan and part of the journey, but it wasn't my purpose. So I knew that I came to that realization. So I was already kind of like weaning out of that and looking looking for something else, but not really looking, actively looking. Like I wasn't actively looking for a job, another job. I just kind of started just doing whatever like fit as far as certain description, you know, uh, I guess gigs at the time, but I wasn't really like trying to get, you know, like signed with the costumers board or get into the costumers guild for, um, for wardrobe to do, major movies and picture and TV shows. Yeah. So you eventually quit that then for this? I didn't stop until after Happy Period was already established as a nonprofit. 
because I'm full time with Happy Period now. But no, I didn't stop doing wardrobe until like much after doing the paperwork, filing everything for Happy Period. And then once the demand kind of started, I just kind of had to nosedive. The last job, the job that I left or just kind of walked away from was on Insecure. I did, I was part of the wardrobe team for Insecure for a short period of time. And um, yeah, and it was like, ah, what, am, what am I doing this for? I don't need to be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think this brings up an interesting point because I think that there's oftentimes a myth around like purpose-driven work or finding something that you're really passionate about where like, oh my God, I have this idea on a Saturday and then I quit my day job the following Monday. And, you know, I think that's really pretty unrealistic. I think a lot of people wind up juggling multiple things at once or, you know, like going through more of a transition. And so I'm curious sort of what some of the specifics of the transition looked like, like what, when did you decide, okay, I am ready to take the leap and do this full time. How were you able to make that change from a logistical and financial standpoint? What was that like for you? I mean, honestly, like I was already a freelancer and freelancers are entrepreneurs. People don't like to make, make it so that freelancers can also be entrepreneurs, but I mean, that's who they are as, as well. Uh, or at least, you know, successful ones. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I was already in my, my hustle mode, like has never left me to, to try to figure things, figure things out and move forward with what makes me happy. So it actually was not, it wasn't hard from that, like an emotional, spiritual mm-hmm. standpoint, because I'm like, oh, this is not serving me. So I'm gonna just go, I'm gonna go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, like I, you know, was uh, living off of my, like my savings. I was still taking like small jobs. Like I was still taking, you know, uh, like more intimate key gigs. Like one of my homegirls who's a stylist and an amazing costumer, she had to do the golden globes for the first time. So I did the globes. I assisted her on the globes. So it was like things like that, where I was still able to like work and do a little something, but also get my experience. And then it was also great because I had a very, all my friends were super supportive. Like even my friends who were still in the wardrobe, still in the industry and they're, everybody's on in their respective fields. Everyone was super support, supportive. And to this day, they still are like, they're always plugging me into things. So even at the time where it was, um, you know, I was literally like really letting a lot of that go completely. Yeah, it was some some shit was just falling out of the sky to where I couldn't say I couldn't really say no or I couldn't go backwards. I guess I should say that more so. I couldn't go backwards to wardrobe because some so many doors were opening for happy period already and things were falling out of the sky. So I was like, okay, well see, this is how you know when you're doing the shit you're supposed to be doing, or this is how you know you're going the right direction because it's just all like like aligning up and you're putting your work, your mind and your words like all in the same sequence. And you got that action behind it because you're actually doing things. So um, stuff is just, you know, falling out of the sky. So it wasn't. Um, yeah. So I just it was so clear that I, I can't go. I'm not going to go backwards. I have to I have to just keep going. So to be honest, that kind of made it easy for me to you know, to just roll with the punches, like all the bullshit that, you know, because the process to become nonprofit is like, it's a process and it takes money. And, you know, I was putting money back into my own like business, um, an organ, you know, organization. I, I've always thought of happy period as a business. I've never looked at it as something that is not going to make me money. Mm-hmm. I always thought of happy period as it's a business. Cause I only, I mean, that's all I, that's all I knew. 
And being a wardrobe stylist, being a freelancer, I mean, you are the business. You have to look good, sound good, um, not piss anybody off. You know what I'm saying? You have to do your own marketing, your own management for a while, for a long period of time. And you got to make somebody else happy. So you got to be somebody fucking therapist. You got to be your own therapist. So, yeah, you just micromanaging yourself and other people, working for other people. So once I started applying all those things to myself, it just opened up and it was it just started to work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. One of the, I've had a really winding career path history too. And one of the things that I think about a lot is even though I've worked in, you know, multiple different industries and it seems maybe not to all build on itself in a linear fashion, the way it would for someone who maybe started in an industry at 21 and is still working in the same field that just because you change jobs or you change industries doesn't mean that like you don't take the skills with you. Right. And so like a lot of what you're speaking to is, you know, there were clearly very specific things that you learned from your work as a stylist, from the other things that you had to do. And then like those things might not seem related to having, you know, administration related nonprofit, but you take all of that with you and it does cross over. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's cause that's hard just to try to, to just leave something and building yourself and your name for X amount of years and, and to just leave it, um, completely, you know, it's, you know, I mean, for someone, maybe it's not hard. Um, but for me, um, you know, it just kind of took a little, a little, a little spank to really understand and get it. And also a moment of someone, me seeing, me actually seeing it, like it being put in my face, the idea or the moment just happening right there. And I mean, that's what it took. So, yeah. You mentioned that the logistics of starting a nonprofit, that it was a whole process. Can you share any like either learning lessons or mistakes that you made at the beginning that could potentially be helpful for someone else who's been thinking about starting their own organization? Um, I don't know. I know that's probably like, what? A random answer. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Cause what worked for me may not work for the next person. And then it's like when, as far as mistakes in the early process, we did really, we did good because we got things done fast and and accordingly as far as paperwork wise filing tons of paperwork you know it's it's necessary for sure let me see I'm trying to think of something that was like really specific I mean but I will say like I'll say this like because some folks really just don't start the nonprofit. They just kind of, are, they get stuck at the like, should I or should I not? Because it's such a long, it's, it is such a grueling process and the work. Oh, I will say this. If you're, if you're already doing the work and you have a project going like right now, you should continue doing that work. Like you don't have to stop doing the work and then wait till you get, um, you become official to like start the real work. You need to just do everything now. Like continue. If you already started, continue and to keep building. For some reason, like people think that they can't really do anything until after they become official. So it's like, even though happy period, the first happy period was February 8th, we kept doing the work and doing the volunteer events and hosting the donation drives and making the flyers and doing the marketing and, and, and filing the paperwork. And we didn't become official until July, 2015. So it only took a couple months, but again, like we were really on it as far as to make sure that, we finished it. We filed everything correctly, and and we went through all of all of the all of the steps. But I didn't. I never stopped doing 
doing the work. So I think because of that, I was able to like secure donations from brands and companies before I was even official because they're, because like thinks, thinks is tight. Pair of panties, amazing pair of panties brand um, that was created by three amazing women. Thinks donated to Happy Period. They were the very first company to, to donate to Happy Period. And they did it before I even became like official and um, and they were a startup. They didn't really have, you know, they had the bandwidth at the time, but not really. But no, they did it anyway. They still like donated underwear and they, you know, a lot of a few of their employees actually like came and showed up at the first volunteer event we did in New York. I think it was like later on or during that summer, 2015. So, yeah, I mean, because I was already doing it, but like I was nowhere near like officially done in my process to become a nonprofit. Like we still had, you know, things that we had to do, but I was still making sure that I was hosting the volunteer events, you know what I mean? Or I was creating these volunteer, these um, opportunities for people to come together and give back and be a part of of happy period. And um, yeah. And then it's like, we, we have a good relationship with, with that company. So I really like can't emphasize that enough for people to just get started and to just do keep doing the work and it'll help as far as with you, because it's a waiting game, too, like yeah. with the paperwork, um, things to come back and forth to you. Yeah. And it's like that wasn't really like I don't think that's really necessarily like a mistake because we didn't do that. I'm just I just would like to see other people, you know what I mean, like do that because they kind of take their project and just leave it as a project. Happy Period initially was a project, but now it's a it's a nonprofit charity. We've been around for for four years. You know what yeah. I mean? I just never I never like kept it in this like box or labeling it as a project even before we became official like it was already already this big thing to me yeah that makes sense yeah I mean and well and even it doesn't even have to be mistakes right like what you're sharing is things that you guys did well I think that's equally <laughs> valuable right to hear about and uh-huh. I mean like from way back when you said you know your first step was getting your friends together you know and then using that example like uh, with the example of Fink's getting involved like I'm hearing the benefit for you of right fit partnerships right that like figuring, right. like who are the people that also believe in this work. And I think like one of the things that really struck me when I first found your work was like the mission is so clear and it's so specific Mm -hmm. and it's such an easy yes for me to be like, oh my gosh, I totally believe in that. Right. And like, I I can see Mm -hmm. how having that really clear, simple, but powerful mission lets other people get involved if they're the right fit people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So going back in time a little bit um, to the day you said you went home and did a bunch of research on, um, you know, lack of access to menstrual products, I'm interested if there was anything that surprised you or if there was anything that you, I mean, I know probably you've done more research since then, but what have you learned that you would love for people to know about the lack of access to menstrual products that a lot of people experience? Um, You know what? Like, I feel like I've gotten most, like my, most of my aha moments or just moments where it was a learning it was just a learning moment or a learning experience. Um, I mean, it, it, but it happened during like a one-on-one. It always happens during a voluntary event mm-hmm. or a, you know, I guess a one-on-one chat or talk with someone that we're, we're helping out, you know? Um, yeah, like during the research and going online, there's lots of like crazy things from people, women being you know, shunned off to a hut for X amount of days because she's on her period because of a social stigma and religion and a traditional 
you know, act that they're just used to doing. And so she has to go to a hut and be away from everybody and, and, um, people from that and then folks not having access to a bathroom, a toilet, running water and pads. And therefore they don't have the opportunity to get an education. They can't go to school or they can't go to, you know, college or, or wherever, or they can't even go to work. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, it's pretty dark. Um, and there's so much in between that one that does stand out to me though, um, was when we were giving, I was passing out, um, downtown. This is one of our, our events in LA and this, um, this individual individual approached me and I showed them that I was like, Oh, Hey, these are, these are pads and tampons. And she was like, yeah, I'm a woman. I actually need these now. Mind you, like I, I looked at this person, but initially when I kind of like looked when I looked at them fast, I thought it was a dude. Right. So when I actually looked at their face and they opened their mouth and I took a moment to actually look in their eyes, I was like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't realize like, you know what I'm saying? Like as far as gender wise, I, I actually assumed initially from looking at this person, like, oh, it's a dude, but really, so it's, it was, she said, oh, no, I'm a woman, I'm a female, I, I actually need these. And so I was like, do you mind me asking, like, do they, does this shelter always have a lot? And she was like, you know what, like, no, I don't think they do. And she was like, I actually don't really um, fuck with this shelter because she was outside of the, she was, she was definitely, we were definitely outside, but there was a shelter like around the corner that was not too far from us from where we were. And she was like, no, I don't, you know, I, I don't really like to go in there because they, you know, I had a hard time with them and, you know, they don't really want me to stay in there because I, you know, I look how I look and who I identify as, you know, it's, that's a deviant, that's, uh, it's a challenge for them. And I was like, what you mean? And she was like, she was like, what I mean is like, you know, if I say I'm a trans man, I'm a trans boy, I can't go in the women's shelter. They just barely started letting me in there. So I realized, you know, they have these, there's also the, the, the trans experience of being homeless or houseless and um, having to fight with people when it comes to like, you know, the, the gender issue. So from that experience, you know, I learned that, yeah, like there's a shelter that is, has now come around, but there's probably so many that go through this, 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 um, this, this issue with, um, trans men who still have a period who may or may not, they no longer can afford their hormones. They, you know what I'm saying? are just, are, are in this, in this struggle, which we, we all have an internal struggle, but you know what I mean? They're, they're in this struggle or, and, and then there's outside shit that's making it much harder and them being homeless and them not being allowed to go into the shelter because it's for women only. Mm -hmm. And you're a trans man or you're a woman. You need to identify, you need to act like one, you need to look like one because we're confused. We can't have you be confusing all the other clients and blah, blah, blah. So, and, and also like, you know, cause that person also told me like they, you know, they told her that they would prefer if she went to an LGBTQIA based shelter that was like specifically for like, uh, homeless, um, or low income or something. And, um, I just don't think that shit is cool. And, you know, for me, like it helped me, like, you know, it shaped my perspective because I always thought about that. I mean, and it's like, I had some idea that, 
you know, like, you know, having compassion. I had some idea, like, yeah, I'm, I know it pro- It has to be hard to, you know, for people to call you a stud or whatever or butch or whatever it is. And, and for someone who is a trans individual or they're transitioning, you know, and they're experiencing homelessness, like that got to be some hard shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And but I don't think I knew I just I just I was not aware that, you know, there were folks who work in the shelter system or. I didn't know that it was them that were also being part of the fight, you know, because that's not what we're supposed to be supposed to be doing. And, you know, so it just helped me become more, you know, because I'm I've always been inclusive, like towards everybody. Um, And I've I've been more aware of like who we serve. And, you know, I can break down, you know, like the demographics i have been totally aware of that. So, you know, it just helped me become like. I just figure like, okay, if I'm more inclusive, it would help them be more inclusive. And if I am, or possibly it would help. Um, so I would just always speak up and say, and talk about people with periods or trans men, trans boys who menstruate, um, trans kids who are going through monarchy or about to experience monarchy. And I think we don't, we don't talk about that either. Um, and it just really, I see like where it actually hurts. You know, mm-hmm. I met this person, they just told me like their whole, the whole spiel of what they have to experience, what they have to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love what you said about, obviously you were able to learn some things from research, but there's no substitute for hearing yeah. people's stories, right? I mean, obviously it's like the mission behind this entire podcast is that the idea of like someone sharing what's true for them, you know, sometimes it can be something you relate to that elicits that, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Me too, which feels really good. But then on the flip side, someone shares lived experiences that's wildly different from yours. And like you said, Uh like that builds compassion. It helps you learn more, right? That research is great. But again, like put your body in the space, talk to people, listen. Absolutely. There's nothing like getting that experience and going out there and working with, with people, even folks that work in the shelter work, um, um, at, at another charity that is an access center or transition home, like this, there's nothing like, you know, working with them and getting that full experience and to be able to assist each other too. Yeah. I mean, I also think it's really important what you said about, you know, not having access to menstrual products that becomes a block for other things, right? That if you are free bleeding, if it's okay, you're not going to work or you can't go to school or these types of things that I think having access to these products, the, like the privilege of having that can mean sometimes that you don't think about what would happen if you didn't have access to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like, we just have to really, um, we have to really focus on that a little bit more as far as like coming out of our own experience, out of our own experience, because I find that like some people like they're, they, they know, okay, I'm, I'm aware that they, this, they are people who are, who don't have food, they don't have water or they don't have access to menstrual, menstrual products. Okay. Here, but here's my solution. But I think some people get kind of lost in, you know, lost in trying to figure out how to give because they're still centering around their privilege or their experience. Prime example of that. So I can explain what I mean. So like everybody there, there's a huge love for menstrual cups, right? Like there's, there's, it's beyond a cult following. There's, you know, menstrual products have definitely changed, changed the game as far as when it comes to a lot of women, people with periods, their period experience, you know, especially when it comes to like going from disposable to reusable, the cup is dope. So I get a lot of people who, you know, they would uh, definitely just 
they're all for the cup. Like, oh, you should give out menstrual cups. So why don't you just give them menstrual cups? Like, it's great for it's better than for the environment. It's it's cheaper. It's not. It doesn't cost a lot. You can use them for X amount of years. Like, it's such a great. I've been using mine for four years and blah blah blah, and I haven't used. I haven't wasted anything. I'm not contributing to the waste and blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, all that is good and cute, but menstrual cups, that's going to be what's so convenient for you is such a nightmare for somebody else. And not even a nightmare because they they can't even get that experience because where the fuck are they going to get the running water to clean their cups? Is Where are they going to go to take out the cup and make a mess? <laughs> you know, like where can they do that? freely and comfortably, you know what I mean? Like if you're homeless or houseless, you know, um, living on the street, whatever you want to call it, like it's a challenge just to get into a bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Like they can't even go into a Starbucks and use the bathroom because nobody wants to give up the bathroom code or they have to buy something or they just look bad or they smell bad or whatever. And not everyone has, you know, money to go to a gym. You know, folks are living out of their they're living out of their cars and the, all the water that they have, you know, access to, they better, they better drink it or they better use it to like, you know, they have to drink it or use it to, to take a shower, to wash or clean those important parts. So a menstrual cup is just not, you know, the best thing. So I tell people, I explain that. And I also explain how same thing with tampons too. Like we, we, we know we're more mindful of giving out tampons. You know, a lot of times we, we, have them, you know, at, we ask them, do you use this or do you even want this? Because a tampon and the menstrual cup, you know, they can bring some of the same problems, especially if, you know, someone is homeless and or and they're addicted to to drugs and they have that type of sickness or illness and they go out, they put a tampon or a cup in and they get high and they forget that the shit is up there. And that's something that's the reality. And I've heard that plenty of times. Shit, I've even heard of like, Folks who are not homeless or who are well off <laughs> forget that they had a tampon in and they left it up there or they put two tampons in on accident and, and they just forgot. And they're digging and digging for days trying to figure out, did I take that last tampon out? So, I mean, it happens. So I have to like spill those things because, yeah, it's so important and people are just they still get caught up. They're, they're caught up in the giving and wanting to do something and all these fucking suggestions. But they're not really, you know, really thinking and checking their own, you know, privilege, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it would make sense then that like part of the work is asking folks what they need and then giving them those things. Exactly. Yeah. Because so one thing about Happy Period that I'm proud of and I always state this, like, I'm not into telling somebody what to use for their period. Like, it's your choice. I'm about options. It's 2019 and we got options out here. So what we do is like we're we're providing everything, but it's your choice if you like what you pick for for your body. So it's like, here are your options. If you want us to tell you about why we have these these options we can break that down we can explain it we can even show you how to use something but again this is about your experience what you like for your body so it's like i don't shame my sisters that are still using pads disposable pads it's that is that is you do your thing i'm not shaming someone who um does not want to go to a cup they want to stick with pads and tampons and and liners it's cool i'm not shaming the person that just wants to free bleed into a cup or into their um, thinks period panties and go, you know, rinse 
the blood out or pour the blood into their pots or plants. I'm not shaming, girl, do your thing for the motherland. It is completely fine as far as everybody having their own experience. But we really have to start doing that when it comes to like these products. Because I find like some people shame are like shaming folks for using tampons still Mm -hmm. or for using disposables versus, you know, reusables, you know, um, on top of that, like, we're still, like, kind of shaming each other for bleeding. So I'm like, no, we have to stop that. Just let the person use whatever it is that they want to use or not even use anything at all. Yeah, yeah. You're the one who prompted me to think about breaking down the price of my period, which obviously it's, like, a privilege to not have thought about that really. But and mm-hmm. everything that comes along with that, right, whether it's, like, tampons, ibuprofen for when the cramps mm-hmm. are really debilitating during my first two days of bleeding, my heating pad, acupuncture, which seems to be the only thing that really helps with a lot of my endometriosis symptoms, right? And like just all of these different things. It's a lot. Yeah, it really is. And I think, um, I mean, that brings us like to the fact of like we're, and we're taxed for it too. So, you know, there's the, the pink tax or the tampon tax um, that, you know, essentially where, um, there's a sales tax on menstrual products or period products. And, you know, it's almost like it's, it's a luxury tax or whatever, what they also like to call it. And, you know, instead of these being labeled as like medical devices or health related products, even, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, we're, we're taxed for it. And, and it's, it's super unfair because they're, and they're also expensive already. Mm-hmm. So unless you're getting like, you know, something from the dollar store that definitely more than likely is not like the best, is not the best of quality and you should not be shoving or putting anywhere near your vagina. Um, but unfortunately, like that's kind of like the case and what we're dealing with when we're going out and we're buying certain certain products, too. And not even just the dollar store brand, but some brands that are at Walmart, some brands that are at a CVS and Walgreens. A lot of those those products are, you know, they're they're toxic, like all the way They're They're whipped and cleaned using like a chemical soup, like plastic, chemically induced wash or soup. So you got like parabens, dioxide, sometimes even formaldehyde, chlorine bleach, all these things. Like, like, and they, they throw in a fragrance. They might even throw in like some type of other dye or something. And they turn around and sell it to you. And you're putting it up in your vagina or you're putting it around your vulva. And we're being exposed to like all these types of chemicals. And it's, it's sad. It's super, it's super fucked up. Cause they're not really thinking about it. Like everyone's so, I'm just noticing like this wave of like everything being so wellness and organic, this and organic, that and organic foods and don't eat meat and not vegan or be vegan and all that shit. And it's, and it's dope. I think that's amazing, but we got to be talking about all this shit that we're directly putting into our bloodstream yeah. and we're, and we're allowing, we're letting them get away with murder essentially. So with, and it's oh, really it's really bad. No, go ahead. I was going to say with that in mind, you mentioned um, that one of the brands that you like a lot is Thinks. Are there a couple of others that you want um, to give some shout outs to that I could put links in the show notes? Oh, you know it. So um, the Honeypot Company, for sure. It's amazing. Um, you should definitely have her on. I will actually set that up. Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I know she's probably mad busy. She's way more busy than me for sure because uh, we're just out here making moves. She's amazing. Uh, uh, Beatrice Bailu Espada, she's the creator, CEO of the Honeypot Company, it is a plant-based feminine 
uh, hygiene company. Um, it's an amazing brand run by a black woman, started by a black woman and um, really supportive of people with vaginas, like period. So it's not always about like period based. They even have products for, for women who are pregnant, washes, pads, tampons, liners, lubes, refreshner, like panty sprays, like amazing lineup of, of products is really good. Um, cool thing. Um, it, since it's, it's, it's plant-based, it's herbal based. So they have a lot of like amazing elements in their products. Um, so like if you are a pad person, um, or a liner person, sometimes even like me, uh, when you're wearing the, when you're wearing the product, you actually like feel this warmth, this warming sensation from the products, like when you're wearing it. So you can feel like from your body, your body temperature and, and the herbs like touching, you feel the aloe and cucumber and lavender, like you smell it and you actually feel it working almost like it's a heating pad, but it's a pad on your pussy. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check this out. So you got to like try it. And, um, I freak everybody out because I'd be, you know, I'll buy some and like gift them to a few girlfriends or when they ask, like, is it going have a pad or a tampon? And I always have one and I give them one and they're like, what is this? Like, am I going to have an orgasm? What the hell is going on <laughs> down here? Like, this is who, this is nice. So that's like the, that's, uh, it's, it's so dope. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, that's, um, that's like, Ooh, super amazing company. And yeah, and I appreciate like other companies too that have decided to, you know, to clean their products or to not be part of the problem and to not, you know, or, you know, not contribute to, you know, the shift in just bad health and bad hygiene when it comes to like their products. Like there's a company called Rail, which is dope, all organic cotton, um, all organic clean products, no, like nothing toxic about it. There's like, um, Oh my God, there's Empress, which Empress is another um, black owned brand and run from by a woman in the UK. She just reached out to me. She's pretty awesome. And her products have been around for so long. So, and I also, I just think it's dope how there's so many women who run these companies and they run these brands. I feel like it should have, you know, and I, not to say that it should have been like this, but it's like it used to be like that. Like all the inventors, besides the man that invented the fucking tampon, but all the other inventors and innovators when it comes to menstrual uh, menstrual care in that industry, um, they're all women and yeah. made these products for women. I think, you know, like men, it was more so like a financial gain or the financial opportunity that they saw as opposed to the thinking about, our access, our health, and, you know, the comfortability of us. Mm -hmm. Because that's only something that we can fucking understand anyway. I'm sorry. It's just facts. So, I mean, 100%. Well, I mean, so I know that part of your mission is to reshape the discussion about periods and, like, the talk that happens around that. Is there anything specific that you'd love to see happen in that regard? Mm, As far as with periods in general? Yeah. Or just like like how it's talked about, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it should just it should just be talked about more freely, like in the same sense of how we talk about pregnancy and death and birth and sex and, um, you know, getting getting sick. You know what I mean? Like just regular, regular health, uh, health topics, even. It's just so natural. And it's like the, it's one of the first things that starts like it's one of the first things that, that we have as far as the creation 
You know what I mean? And, you know, and it's it's the reason why there's humanity <laughs> itself. And then, I mean, there just really needs to be more education around menstruation as a whole. Like people should understand, like there's four, you know, even the four stages of our actual cycle and menstruation is just one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people don't even know that a lot of, especially a lot of men don't know that. So there's a lot of shaming that's there because they're, you know, ignorant to the issue or to the topic. And then they don't, they don't experience this. They don't really know how to deal with it. And you know, I'm kind of low-key convinced that men, some men actually want periods. Like, that's how, that's how stupid <laughs> they act sometimes and how whiny and childish they could be because it's like, uh, I don't know what that is. I don't know what's going on. And, I, and it has nothing to do with me. It's kind of gross. I'm just going to, like, you know, shame you for having it because I kind of want to experience it and I can't. So since I can't, I'm just going to talk shit about you. I think that's really, like, how it is, really. So, yeah, I mean... Overall, like, I just really want it to be more, more, uh, more positive, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember you, it's been negative for so long. You posted, uh, or opposed like a conversation for your community. I think it was last year about the need to teach, you know, our sons about periods, which fits in really well with what you were just saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's the only thing that's going to really make a, a difference if you actually educate the boys and the girls the same way. You know, tell the girls about the boys' body parts. Tell the boys about the girls' body parts and how, like, how it all works, you know, how we work together. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like that's really only, that's the only thing that's going to make, make the difference. Um, and that can be changed. You know, you can educate. I educate dudes all the time. I educate a lot of women all, you know, all the time about certain things. Um, but I think with the men though, it's like, they're, they really appreciate like, oh, okay, now I get it. I understand. You know what I mean? And, you know, they, a lot, a lot of times, you know, they will learn to have more, more empathy and be a bit more compassionate towards, towards our, you know, experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they won't just be associating with, you know, they won't just be dealing with periods or talking about periods when, you know, somebody misses one. Yeah. They yeah. should have more, more, a little more involvement than that. Yeah. I mean, well, so earlier in the conversation, you used the phrase menstrual equity. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so menstrual equity is basically like the, it's, it's the, the movement or act of with people not having, not having access to, um, being able to have a comfortable, healthy, period experience and there's something that's out there where it's um it's blocking from them from that from that being able to happen whether it's because they are incarcerated and um they're not given proper or a good amount of of period products for their periods um for their cycles they're in a um, they're homeless or houseless or chronically homeless and they're in a shelter and the shelter doesn't have um, access to pads and tampons, so they're not able to really give give out period products. From a global perspective, like women and girls who are, you know, they do not have no access to a lot of things associated with just just hygiene, and it being a huge health issue with them not having uh, pads, tampons, a toilet, or running water in the area as far as where they live. So it it enables them to be able to have a comfortable life, even. They're not able to go out and get an education. They're not able to go to work. 
And then also, I mean, it can create, you know, some, they can create a few health problems as well. Yeah. Jennifer Weiss Wolf is pretty, pretty dope. Actually, she (laughs) coined that term menstrual equity and, um, she's a really amazing, really amazing woman. Um, she's dope. Like I've been, since I've been around when I first started happy period, like she was one of the first people that would talk to me and, you know, we just would always keep in touch and, you know, and she's, she's like hooked me up with a couple of things, like connected with, with, connected me with amazing, amazing people. And she's a great author and she's really been fighting with a lot of other, um, uh, nonprofits that are geared around like menstrual health education. Yeah. Like she's amazing. I'm actually going to like connect with her a little bit more this year to just give her idea of like all the types of, uh, I guess all the plans that we have, I have for happy period and what's been going on now. Cause I haven't talked to her as, as far as like really sat down with her in a while. So I'm like super excited to, to just share so much with her as far as like what's been, you know, what's been going on lately. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Would you share one of those plans or goals, whether it's for this year or the future? What's one thing that's on your mind when you think about the future of happy period? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like we're, um, we're really heavy on social <laughs> heavy. <laughs> nice. uh, that's crazy. Um, sometimes I don't try to do that, but it's like, when I think about it, I'm like, Oh my God, heavy flow. <laughs> like in, in has my says flow, or I just let it flow and they look at me and I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. So yeah, we're um yeah, we we use social media like it's it's literally the yeah, it's literally the blood that's flowing through this organization, um, through this machine of happy period. And it's the reason why I mean we use it for everything as far as like with our marketing and the volunteer events, the advocacy program, spreading awareness and eliminating the stigma creating like this community that we have. So, um, yeah. So like one of the plans is just to, for me to really, is to step it up a notch when it comes to really pushing, pushing our mission to eliminate the stigma. So we're, we're now like creating our own content and we're creating the same, um, content with, with a lot of the same brands that have either partnered with us in the past or they're, they're still partnered with, with us. They're still donating, you know, creating content with them and to bring up, you know, uh, to essentially like get people to, to engage in the conversation of periods. So you'll see a lot more articles, blog, a blog is coming up, um, videos with me doing interviews with my girlfriends and, um, even some of my colleagues and other people who i um, looking forward to meeting and just having conversations essentially just about things centered around periods, like from from period sex to period pooping to um, their first period after your first baby, um, the chemicals, the products that we use, menstrual equity, the trans period, like all these things that we still, you know, I think people were now, I think we're all ready to talk about these things. Yeah. So that's, that's the big, the big thing that's, that's coming up. That's coming up this year for sure. When you also have your hello, I'm menstruating shirts, which are amazing. Yeah. So we have merch. That's what generates a lot of like the revenue for happy period to keep us going and to help fund a lot of, a lot of the projects, especially when it comes to like creating the content, but yes, hello, I'm menstruating t-shirts. Um, that's like our official t-shirt. So we're really running that campaign. Like that's kind of like our 
our set in stone campaign, honestly. Spreading that out, the shirts are going to be released um, like quarterly. We're going to release um, languages, like new languages. So right mm-hmm. now there's just English and Spanish for Hello, I'm Menstruating. And then we released um, the name tag shirt where it literally looks like a name tag and it's just Hello, I'm Menstruating. So that's that's pretty cool. So we got it coming up in Arabic soon. We got them coming up in French and Swahili and German. Like the list goes on and on where essentially like you'll be able to, you know, um, put in your language and, you know, we'll have some shirts, you know, made for you and ship them out. And all of it goes back towards happy period. So the entire the entire purchase helps fund our operations and our program. So So for for people who are interested in getting involved or helping out in some way, can you talk about the types of donations that you currently accept or maybe how someone could expand this work into their own hometown? Yeah, sure. So, um, so you can become a happy period ambassador, which is basically, um, carrying out the mission as an ambassador for happy period. So you're doing, you're doing, you're creating your own volunteer events, you're hosting donation drives. You can host a volunteer event at your school, your church, your hospital, your work, your startup, your bookstore, wherever. Um, so you're being like an independent representative of the organization and you're giving back in a way and you're doing it by, um, you know, with your own availability and you're getting your community involved for you to give back locally. Yeah, you can go to the website and um, fill out your information in a contact form, and someone will get back to you. We'll have um, uh, one of a representative from one of our chapters because Happy Period is in 32 cities, so like a lot of the ambassadors have started chapters where they've gotten you know um, you know 10 people to volunteer. And three out of the 10 want to do this on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis. So they'll um, name, they'll start like a group together and name the group based on like their location, which is, um, which is kind of like actually how we got started from going from city to city to city to city. Because initially it was just me doing that when I would go visit other people I have work to do in other cities. I would just host a volunteer event wherever I was at and then I would leave and but of course, stay connected with the people that were there. And then I would just share the model and it just kind of like domino effect that way. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's the best way to pretty much like get involved from a local level. It's not always about giving because um, happy period like it's pretty much like products that are associated with you having a, a, a good, comfortable, healthy menstrual experience. So pads, tampons, liners, cups sponges, reusable, disposable products, liners, underwear, and also even soap. You can donate soap if you want to. Mm -hmm. But it's not always about like giving to headquarters or sending everything to LA or sending everything to New York. If you are getting, if you're becoming an ambassador, you're prepared to do this on a local level, like for your own community, for your own school. Something else that's pretty like essential to, to share is that like, since the ambassador program helps us go back to our grassroots portion of it and really make a difference on a local level where there are people who are who fuck with happy period and their ambassadors and then they're getting their community involved and they're giving back at the same time to their local community. Um, and they're doing it by on their own terms independently. So they're essentially like not really asking for permission from us to do anything. You don't really need happy period to like tell you to go out and do something. You know what I mean? You're just, it's just about carrying out the model 
carrying out the model and, you know, and being part of menstrual equity as far as that being for, for everybody. But yeah, I mean, as far as like for the, the big thing that, to share is that we're getting a lot of inquiries from schools. We get a lot of inquiries from youth centers, access centers, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's even high schools and boys and girls clubs where they're, you know, talking about how they could use donations of menstrual products from us or a brand or a company and they can use them because, you know, the budgets get cut or the funding has been, you know, slashed in half. So there's no longer a nurse's station or there's no longer a, you know, a place where they can go to provide their female students with pads and tampons, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's crazy to me, but I actually see that happening more and more often, to be honest with you. So that the ambassador advocacy program, like helps us on a local level. And then I, it's definitely in the end, it's going to be helping us as, as far as even on a grander level, when we're going to be like that, once we become that, that forefront organization that all of the brands basically donate to. And then we basically allocate and distribute those donations amongst like all of our partners. So yeah. pretty soon, like our partners, our partners will be youth centers. And cause right now we work with shelters and other nonprofit organizations, but soon we want to branch that out. So we're actually giving back to, to schools, you know, and even, you know, after, after school, like centers and programs and things like that. Cause, um, it's not always about folks who are homeless. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's never always been about them either for a happy period, even though our volunteer event is centered around people who are homeless, but we're finding that, yeah, low income is actually getting bigger and bigger and it's broadening out. And, you know, a lot of these teachers and superintendents, they're not, they're no, they're no longer assuming like they know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're the ones that are like, Hey, I had to fire my nurse last month. I've been buying things out of my own pocket or, you know, we've been buying things for the girls. And I have a, a few students where, you know, there's no mother at home and, you know, we have to take care of that. So that's, that's a big thing. That's part of our, um, part of our plan for the next, for for this year, actually. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And also like the reminder to keep the focus, you know, for people on their local communities, right. There's always so much that we can do in like wherever it is that we live, each of us. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So I think that that's a good place to start to wrap up, but before we do our kind of ending segment, is there anything that hasn't come up yet in the conversation that you wanted to make sure that you mentioned or that we talked about? Um, no, I can't think of anything. Thank you. This has been awesome. This has been pretty, pretty freaking amazing. Awesome. Okay. So the way that we end these are with a series of what we call community questions. So basically, um, the Patreon community, the wonderful folks who fund the show pick this season, it's eight questions that all eight guests are answering the same eight questions. If you're down to answer some totally random questions. Sure. (laughs) Let's go for it. What's something that you do purely for fun and joy? Read. Mm, yeah, me too. What's something <laughs> that really makes you feel at home? Ooh, um, a nice meal. A meal. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody makes me a meal or fix me a plate, like a, a nice meal makes me feel at home, especially if the person cooked for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. What's one thing that you do as regular maintenance in your most important relationships that you feel helps them helps to keep them strong and healthy? Oh, communicate. Like I tell, I'm yeah. I I will tell you, you're good, you're bad, you're ugly. 
appreciate your sun and your moon. Yeah. Communicating, like spilling it all out. I think that's, that's super important nowadays. We don't have a lot of that, but I'm finding that when we, when we do have it and we're giving it, we're sharing it. Oh, it's just, it just, it does wonders. It really does. What are three things that you are feeling grateful for today? Oh, I'm feeling grateful for, um, my, my parents. I'm feeling grateful for my support system, like my, my friends and family members. And a lot of my friends are like my siblings, super supportive of, of them putting me in or finding ways to put me into everything in their lives to help me like professionally and even personally too. But I'm just really grateful that everyone's like rooting for me, people Mm -hmm. who I know. And even the people who I don't know, the person that follows, you know, that follows me on Instagram, I'm super grateful for them for following and commenting and, you know, participating and engaging with the community because it's the reason why I keep doing it. You know, I, Ooh, I cannot stand social media sometimes, but it's like that part of it. It just, it makes it so much just so much more enjoyable. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The next question is about boundaries. What's one boundary of yours that's important to you and what does it look like in your real life to enforce it? What can you define boundary? Yeah, that's a good question. I know what it means, but it's like, let's, let's, let's break this down. Cause that's a really good question. I don't know that I have a specific definition. I mean, again, these were, you know, someone in the community's yeah, questions, yeah. but I mean, I guess, um, so someone else this season, when I asked that, um, I think her answer was that she doesn't work on weekends. Right. And someone else is, mm-hmm. you know, around like how they use social media or, you know, something with their family or like basically just something that's kind of like a hard line for you. Yeah. And can you repeat the question? Cause the person said like, which, what is a boundary that yeah. I set? What's yeah. What's just one boundary that's important to you and what does it look like to enforce it? Word. Mm. Yeah. It's a good question, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really good. Um, respect. Like mm. that, that has to be there. If we don't have that, then we, we're not able to coexist. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that should be enforced personally and professionally. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important one too, because I think I agree with you that it's so important and also it can be a little bit more vague, right? But like, we know what it feels like to be disrespected, right? Or, you know, like you, you know what that's like when that boundary has been crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think like, you know, uh, like with social media, we've kind of lost that. Yeah. Um, and it's so bad and it's, it's flowing, it comes off of social media and it's flowing into like our everyday lives and how we like, you know, respond and connect with each other physically one-on-one and how we communicate with one another. It's just really bad. Um, yeah, with me, I, I'm, I enforce that shit because I just don't just play, you know, any type of, any type of disrespect for for anyone. And, and I even tell people like, Hey, if you, in my, especially my friends, if you feel like I disrespected you, or if there was something that like, please let me know, check me right then and there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause for whatever reason that I did it, or I wasn't paying attention or I, I had no idea. Um, no, I need to be checked yeah. right then and there. And I'm the exact same way. Like sometimes some people, you know, they're, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And that's fine. That's completely fine. That's great. And um, but when it comes to that, I'm just really 
big on it because I've been I've been around people who just do not know what respect is. And, you know, they have these weird definitions of what just like how people have different perspectives and definitions of what love is. I think we we got respect fucked up, too, Mm -hmm. essentially. So for me, you know, I just think it's just important that I make people, you know, show up when it comes to when it comes to respecting me and my work and my boundaries and my, um, yeah, I'm like, cause that is a, that is a, a boundary mm-hmm. that you just can't, yeah. you can't cross. Yeah. I think that's a great one. What was one of the last things that you felt really excited about? Ooh, well, this morning I got excited about, um, this opportunity with, with Facebook. So like, that's like more of a professional thing where, um, we're going to be, participating with more, um, more startups. And so someone emailed me about Facebook, like potentially donating and doing like, um, doing something with ads on Facebook, like donating ads to us or something like that. So that was pretty exciting because like business wise, like my mind just started flowing and I'm just, I just had certain thoughts of, Oh, then I can do this and I can do that. Then I can put that much amount of money aside. And this is this because we never spent any money on ads for a happy period, like never. Right. And so like when we did spend some type of money or any type of ad space, it was granted to us. So like our Google ad grants, like account, like we, we get that, like all the ads for Google are free. And then now potentially with Facebook is going to be the same thing. That is exciting. Um, And we'll be able to like share that between Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, that's pretty tight. That was, yeah. that was just, that was, that was tight. It was just super exciting for that. So you mentioned that you love reading and the next question is about books, um, okay. which I don't know, two or three books, any type of book, any genre, would you say have either had the biggest impact on you or that you find yourself recommending or rereading most often? Oh yes. Yeah. And they're all pretty heavy. Uh- <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, they're all pretty heavy. But I think, well, first off, like there's this great author that I I got the pleasure of meeting. She's actually a doctor, but I got a really amazing, had a really amazing experience. I was able to meet her. Um, Dr. Joy DeGruy, she wrote this book called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Mm. And it's an amazing, heavy emotionally draining yet thought provoking piece. It's, it's just, it's classic. It's, it's just, um, man, like I'm low key sweating just thinking about it. It's just that it's that it's that deep. Um, but I recommend her book to, to anyone that is, that is realizing that they, are traumatized from something and they want to heal from it Mm -hmm. or anyone that's realizing that they, um, they're all about their self care and they've been ignoring like their mental health or they've been ignoring other parts of self care that deal with them as, you know, like they're, uh, you know, emotionally and mentally and spiritually. I just really recommend you to read it and also, 
if you don't think you're racist, but yet you've been told you are racist, I think you should definitely read that book too. Yeah. If that's I'm, in that. Yeah. I'm going to put links to that in the show notes for sure. Thanks for that recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, yeah, I don't have no other one. I just want to like spill on her because I just love her so much. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> um, so she's, she's, her book is like really is, is amazing. Um, uh, Dr. Jordan grew. Um, I don't recommend Googling her and looking at any of the YouTube clips. I just want you to read the book. And I'm also saying that because I went to one of her lectures and she actually asked for people not to record her because she does not, she doesn't, she's not able to like look up all the links or whatever that people post her on. And really she may not agree with you as a person. She may not agree with your page as a whole. And she doesn't want you to just put clips of her up on things where you can just see that clip and you're only getting a piece of what she has to say. You need to get the whole thing. So just read the book. Yeah. I love that. Um, so the last question, if you could leave our community, the listeners with one call to action, what would it be? Maybe a question to ask themselves or a small action to take? Yeah. If you are thinking about starting a nonprofit, um, or if you're thinking about, um, getting involved with an organization or a project or group, um, or if you're thinking about, you know, just, if you have this moment where you feel like it's like the savior kind of effect thing where you just want to help or do something or fix something or help somebody, you need to ask yourself, can I be passionate or will I be passionate about this, issue, cause, group, person, or people, can I or will I be passionate about it for a very, very long time? If the answer is no, I don't know, or maybe, then don't fucking waste your time. Mm-hmm. Don't waste anybody else's time. Do Think of something else. Nonprofit work, charity, charity work, or being in the business of helping and giving, or even real talk, being in the in the poverty industry, it is not, it is not for you. We need less people who really don't give a shit or people who just kind of doing it for our money or the paycheck. We need more folks that are really in it as far as giving back and giving their, their selves and making it about other people and not about themselves. Mm -hmm. Like people who are really down for that. We need more, we need more of that and less of everybody else that's just trying to take advantage and they have uh, other agendas or, you know, they don't know who they are or what their purpose is. They're just trying to figure it out through other people. We don't need no more of that shit. Yeah. 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 So what's the best place for people to find you and say hi online? Do you have a favorite way to connect with new folks? Um, Instagram is my favorite way. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm addicted. So they can send me a DM at we are happy period. That's my page. You can send a DM or follow Happy Period Org um, on Twitter and Instagram. We're on Facebook. And then, of course, like the website is hashtag happyperiod.org. If you want any general information about us, then you can go there. But other than that, you can slide in my DMs. That's completely, completely I love fine. It. I will put links to all of those in the show notes. Chelsea, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. Speaking of the Real Talk Radio family, I want to give a huge shout out to Adam Day, my producer and sound engineer. Adam created the music for this show, and he makes everything work and flow and sound way better than I ever could. You can find him and his music and his sound editing work at adamday.net, so go say hi. 
And as I said way back at the top of the episode, this is a 100% listener-supported show. The show is made possible by awesome people like Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi. We're going to do a fun little round of rapid-fire questions if you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. What are you totally obsessed with right now? Um, I am totally obsessed with van life and zero waste and plastic free and just diving right into all that stuff. You and I have some common parallels right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's exciting. What's an intentional money related decision that you've made recently? Um, kind of twofold. We are really being intentional about our saving and, um, paying off debt for van life. Um, but kind of on the other side of that, um, my partner, Matt, he was in a job that he, you know, really was just kind of soul sucking for him. And so we decided that it would probably be best for him to actually quit his job, um, which he did recently. So it, it seems like counterintuitive to our plan, but I think generally for us as a couple, it's going to be, it's going to be really actually a lot, a lot better for us to get everything rolling for van life. Totally. I mean, one of the reasons that I love asking questions like that and like money and sort of logistical related questions is because there isn't one way to do things. And I think it's really nice to hear how other people decide like, okay, this is more stress. So even if it's going to mean less money, we're in the position to do this. So we're going to do that, right? Like these are the types of like trade-offs and decisions I think that are like universal. Yeah, absolutely. What's one thing that you've been struggling with lately? Something that you've found challenging? Um, it seems really simple, but actually drinking enough water for whatever reason, I just cannot get into the habit of being, you know, having a water bottle with me and actually drinking during the day. And I feel like I'm just constantly dehydrated. (laughs) I have a particularly hard time with that in the winter when I'm like always cold. I mean, I drink a lot of tea, so I guess it's still water in some capacity, but I find that it's so much easier for me during the summer than in the winter. Well, and that's the problem at work. Um, it's usually really cold at the clinic. And so drinking cold water while I'm cold, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Might I recommend herbal tea all day long? That's what I do. <laughs> that tends to be what I end up doing. <laughs> yeah. What's something that you'd love to learn more about this year? Um, we are working on getting a compost bin and also putting in some raised beds in our uh, new backyard of the house we just bought. So really just uh, learning about gardening and growing, um, like basically growing our own food and herbs and and all that sort of stuff and kind of using um, food as as medicine in in some way. I don't know anything about gardening, so I will be interested to hear more (laughs) about what you learn because that is something that I think I could, I mean, I could get into probably not while living in a van and being on the road, but in general, I'm interested in that for like another chapter of my life. So yes, I will be circling back for beginner tips at some point. (laughs) Um, What's one thing that you've recently been wishing that people were more open and honest about? Um, Something actually in the last like few years, um, really, and I know it's something that you're in the kind of in the same boat with, um, is just people being open and honest about their mental health. Um, and just kind of breaking down that stigma that surrounds it. Um, veterinary medicine is second on the list for highest suicide rate. And so, um, it's something that we deal with often on a daily basis, um, with colleagues and, and coworkers and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. And just having more people be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you're a member of our Patreon support squad, which means that you're one of the people that listeners can thank for making this podcast possible since you make a powerful reoccurring pledge that helps to fund the costs of producing the show and pay the guests each season. Can you share why you decided to support the show? Um, So I started listening to the show about maybe two years ago, year and a half ago, and every episode was just so thought-provoking like to the point where I was actually like taking notes and like journaling off of it basically and so the and the the people that you are having on I just felt like so connected with after the after your episodes that it seemed like a no-brainer to to put money towards towards that sort of thing that I was gaining so much out of. I love to hear that you take notes off the app. I totally know that feeling when I'm listening to something. It happens. It's like always the worst when I'm driving too. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to pause this. I want to take notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's nice to hear that you do that with the show. Um, what do you love most about being in our community? Um, I think finding new people through the podcast mm-hmm. um, and like people just doing such inspiring work and not even work, just like living inspiring lives. And, um, also the, the kind of thought provoking questions that you pose to the community. Um, and the fact that you just put together an Instagram for it is like wonderful. I love it. And so you can like go there and actually like read through people, other people's thoughts and feelings and, and get complete, completely new insight to, to, to people's lives and, and kind of thought process. I'm so excited about the new Instagram and like being able to just have community like conversations and you know, it's especially, I feel like it's such like a nice niche thing too. Cause it's like a relatively small account and people are like really weighing in and doing It's, it's really nice. Yeah. So I'm glad that you've been enjoying it too. Um, do you want to share where you live and maybe a social media link so people can say hi? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, and my Instagram handle is at real Katie Lee. For everyone listening, if you love the podcast, if you want to help keep it going, if you want lots of bonus content, plus other fun opportunities and extras, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $8 or more for each eight episode season. I can't tell you how much that support means to me, and it'll be so much fun to get to know you better after you've joined our community. Maybe we can even record a future outro together like this one and get to hang out a little bit. That would be fun. So until next time, here's a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can. And no matter what, we're in this together.